I don't look like him or preach like him, uh, but it is my honor to uh, stand in pinch hit for him this morning. Alan's a great friend of mine. We've known each other for several years and, and uh, love he and Amy and their family, and uh, it's been a blessing to serve alongside him uh, in the capacity I serve in. Uh, be turning your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to finish out chapter 2 and start into chapter 3, if you'll bear with me in that reading. And uh, the title of this morning's sermon is Three Types of People Found in Our Churches Today. Three Types of People Found in Our Churches Today. We'll start in verse 12 and read down through chapter 3, verse 4. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am a Paul, another of Paulus, who are, are you not carnal? Let's stop there and go to the Lord in word of prayer. Father, our hearts have been blessed uh, this morning through uh, the sung word. We thank you, Lord, for the season which we are entering into, and that's a season where we celebrate the Uh, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's through and by uh, His uh, uh, resurrection that we have hope. That's why we're here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this honor and this privilege of being in your house. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just anoint me to preach your word and to say the things, God, that you would use to speak to all of our hearts with tonight. Especially, Lord, if there's someone here without a Savior, someone who's dead in their trespasses and sin, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you convict and condemn and uh, convince them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's everlasting too late. We leave it all in your hands, God, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many teachers or retired teachers do we have in, uh, here today? You got one, two, three, four, a bunch here this morning. I, I, I went to school, uh, didn't uh, apply myself very much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I always dreaded when the teacher said, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Uh, You knew what was coming up then, didn't you? A pop quiz. And I never was prepared for those. In fact, when I, my first day of college, you know, I I coasted through through high school because I never dreamed God was going to call me to preach. I was one of those crazy kids that got into a lot of stupid things. I never dreamed that God would save me and call me to preach, and he did. Uh, uh, then, then I got called to go to Clear Creek Baptist Bible College to study and prepare for, the, uh, for my uh, education and, and for the ministry. And the first day of class, the teacher told me to 
take out a piece of paper and a pencil. I said, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> this is the first day of class. He said, everybody was complaining. He said, well, it was in your syllabus. I didn't even know what a syllabus was. And uh, he, he told us that you should have read so many chapters, chapters of the book. And he began to take a, a test. And I failed it like I did many of them. Well, today we're going to take a test. We're going to look at three different types of people found in our churches today. And you're one of the three that we're going to look at. And I hope that uh, at the end of the service, uh, God will uh, speak to your heart and, and prick your conscience, and you'll uh, make a decision based on the identification of these three types of people. You'll understand who you are and where you are in Christ. But first of all, uh, we'll go back to chapter 2 and we'll read in verse 14. He says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, for, he can, for how can he know them? Because they are spiritually concerned. Uh, the first person Paul mentions here as he has written to the church at Corinth, he identifies the natural man. And that person who he identifies here is, is what Paul, Paul called in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, dead in their trespasses and sin. I don't know how long it's been since you've been saved. It's been 40-some years since I met Jesus as my Savior. He, he, he called me and, and claimed me, and I, I praise His name for it. But uh, I, I, how, how many can remember the, their life before Christ? It, it, it's, it, was a, it was a life without hope and without uh, any, any uh, faith at all. And I can remember that life. And, and, and I was dead. I was spiritually dead in my trespasses and sin. If you're here this morning without a Savior, if you don't know Jesus Christ in a free pardon of sin in a personal way, you're, you're spiritually dead. Uh, I don't never, uh, I never watch those zombie movies, but, but, but I, I see them on TV advertised all the time talking about the walking dead. And, and that's what you are as an unsaved individual without Jesus Christ. You're walking dead. Uh, if Jesus Christ doesn't come into your life, you're going to wake up one day uh, once this life is over and open your eyes in a place called hell. A place that God didn't create for mankind. He created for the devil and his angels. He's also condemned because of his unbelief. You know, there's a lot of people believe in God. Uh, I, I've been in ministry 40-some years and, and uh, talked to bukus of people about Jesus Christ. And, 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 and evidently, I hardly ever have come across but just a few atheists. I come across a, a few, but not many. Most people say, well, I believe in God. Well, that's good. The Bible also says that the demons believe in God and tremble, don't they? It doesn't just take a belief in God. You can believe in God all your life and still die and go to hell. And listen, believe me, the Bible says you don't want to go there. It's a terrible place where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. It's eternal darkness. It's a place that we just can't imagine. But God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, not here, but here. When you believe in your heart, God will give you salvation. So it's not only a person's dead and their trespassing and sin, not only is a person condemned because of their unbelief, but it's, it, 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 the, the natural man is someone who is spiritually illiterate. It says here, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Uh, people that don't know Jesus don't understand why we show up every Sunday. And sing the praises to God. Why aren't you out on the lake? Why aren't you out doing things that please you? Why aren't you out uh, living the good life, they say? They don't realize the good life is a relationship with Jesus Christ, do they? Relationship with 
other brothers and sisters, isn't it? This is the good life, isn't it? And yet they don't understand, and they don't understand the things of God, and, and it says they are spiritually illiterate. Most people without salvation understands religion. I'm not into religion, are you? I'm into relationship. I'm into a relationship with the very Son of God. And God Himself, you see, God's divided in three parts. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And He's active in all of our lives. He, you see, the amazing thing about being a child of God is that God deposits Himself inside of us at the moment of our rebirth. And I'm filled with God. I'm filled with His Holy Spirit. And that, that continues to amaze me that I have been born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And God lives in me. But the unbeliever don't understand that. They can't grasp that God lives in us. Some may believe that there is a God, that He's some distant deity out there in the heavens and has nothing to do with mankind, but God's right here right now, isn't He? I felt God in the music, didn't you? I, I felt God in, in, in this place, and God is here, and God's in me. God's in you if you know Him as your Savior. One thing I've learned about unbelievers is that they're mostly concerned with the things of this world and not the things of the afterlife, are they? Most of them live uh, to obtain the American dream, so to speak. They want to they live to get what they can and can what they get, in other words. And they, they, they want to experience all this world has to offer. And, and, and sometimes we as Christians get caught up in that lie too, don't we? But the thing about it is, is that, is that the, when God saves you, He, he changes your desire. It, he transforms us. And, and the things of this world should not be an allure to us anymore. We should, uh, we should want the things of God. We want, should want what God teaches us in His Word. But the saddest thing about the natural man mentioned in this passage here is that once life is over, they are eternally condemned. I believe in eternity, don't you? I believe in eternity in a place called heaven, and I believe in eternity in a place called hell. And unlike other denominations that say there's a holding place that you can go to purgatory or somewhere in between, I don't believe that. I believe either you're either you're going to one or the other place, and you're going to go straight to heaven, or you're going to go straight to hell. So, here is the first person identified in this passage. Do you? Mark this as your answer to the pop quiz. You know, I remember reading in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I was on the church roll for eight years as a young boy. My mother and dad never went to church when I was a small child. We, we only went C&E. We were C&E Christians. You know what C&E is? Christmas and Easter. And that's the only time I ever remember going to church was, was and many times with my grandmother when I'd stay all night with her. Uh, Dad, uh, he, he worked on every interstate in the state of Kentucky. He worked for Greer Brothers, and we moved for the first five years of my life from eastern Kentucky, or western Kentucky, northern Kentucky, and finally they settled back home in London, Kentucky, where I grew up. We never went to church until I was seven or eight years old. That's when Dad and Mother got saved. One Sunday, my best friend and I was sitting on the front pew, and he, he said, Let's, he said, I'm going to go up and get baptized. Church was experiencing a great movement of God. My mother and dad got saved, and 
I had no idea what a baptistry was. Never been in church much. Didn't know why you had to go up and, 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 and get dipped in the water. Didn't know why that was. And, and all I knew that when you got out of that water and come down to the front of the church, everybody just hugged and loved on you. He said, I'm going to go up and get baptized. He said, you want to go with me? I said, sure, I'll go. Didn't know you had to be saved to be baptized. I got up, said what the preacher told me to say. The preacher stood up and said, everybody, I got saved. I didn't get saved. Didn't know you needed to be saved. Didn't know why I needed to be saved. And I got baptized. Went eight years on the church roll at Sinking Creek Baptist Church in Laurel County, Kentucky, knowing that I was lost. Knowing that if I died, I can remember even as a, a young teenage boy laying on my, in my bed at night thinking, well, if I were to die tonight, I'd die and go to hell. Because I don't know Jesus. You see, you, you can be a church member and go to hell. You, you, you can know all you can know about God. You can believe in God and still die and go to hell. So, I hope tonight, or excuse me, this morning, that if you're here, you know Christ as your Savior. If you don't, you can change addresses this morning. You may be on your way to hell. If you'll put your faith and trust in God, you can be saved and be eternally changed and get off that wide road and get on the narrow road. Second person Paul mentions here in chapter 3 is the carnal person. He talks about he wanted to speak to them as spiritual people. Now, let me back up here. Paul had started the church at Corinth three years prior to him writing this letter. So, back up three years, Paul goes to Corinth, a pagan city, pagan society, and he begins this church. He plants this church in the city of Corinth amidst all the pagan activity of that time in the Roman Empire. And immediately, three years later, he writes back to that church and says, I, want you, I wanted to give you some meat of the word, but I couldn't. Three years later, he said, you should be mature. You should know the things of God, the deep things of God. I, I wanted to share some, some hearty meal with you, some meat with you, but he said, I can't. He said, you, you, you're, you're still babies in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for you were not able to receive it, and you even now you're still not able. Basically, Paul was telling the church at Corinth, you're still feeding on the bottle." can't remember years ago, uh, uh, the, the contemporary Christian artist, uh, my goodness, can't think of their name, sang a song called Fat Little Babies. Uh, anybody may not remember it, but uh, it talked about immature Christians. And the sad thing about it is, uh, many churches today in our society are filled with immature Christians, aren't they? They, 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 they have the uh, appearance of righteousness, they get, and, and they may even be saved, they may have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they've never matured. And God help us for not having mature Christians on the, in the pew.
You see, it's not just enough to get your fire insurance. I'm afraid that's what a lot of people do when they decide to get saved. In fact, in fact, I, you can't decide to get saved. The Holy Spirit has to call you. He has to draw you to be saved. You can't just make a decision. I'm going to go up and get saved today unless the Holy Spirit says, here you come, you, you're a sinner, you need to be saved. The carnal person has given their heart to Christ for salvation, but they haven't given their lives to Him for service. You might fall in that category this morning. You may have been saved. I know I, I know the month and the year, but I cannot remember the day. It was actually a night when I got saved, April nineteen eighty. Soon to celebrate forty four years of knowing Jesus. And, and thankfully I I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I need to be. Does that make sense? You see, this 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 Christian walk this it, it, is a pilgrimage, isn't it? It's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And and 44 years later, uh, nearly uh, from meeting Jesus as a 16 year old boy, I, I I've come to know Him better. But I need to know Him even better. I need to grow up even more. So Paul describes the carnal person as someone who's spiritually mature, but he also talks about the evidence of their spiritual immaturity in verse 3, for you are still carnal, for there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? You see, one of the outcroppings of spiritual maturity will be evidence in our selfishness, the strife within the fellowship and the visions it's called. And he goes on to talk about the division among that was going on there. Some were saying they were of Paul and others were saying they were Apollos. And Paul says it doesn't matter who's the preacher is. It doesn't matter what they've done. What matters, the most important thing is Jesus. And... I pastored for 27 years before I took this position. I've been in this position a little over seven years now. And I have seen spiritual immaturity in my life as well as many other people's lives. But sad to say it crops up in this, in this verse 3. It, it shows itself in its division. It shows itself in its strife. It, it reveals itself in its, in its behavior. And, and, and people are still sucking the thumb or still sucking the bottle and they want my way. And if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I've seen it happen numerous times in the past. You see, we become a consumer-minded mentality in church. I want you to serve me instead of what we need to serve God. I'm, I'm not here. And if you're here for the church to serve you, you're here for all the wrong reasons. You're here to serve the Lord God Almighty. And in serving God Almighty, you serve the church. Many years ago, I, one of my mentors was Denver Rush. He pastored Horse Creek Baptist Church for 34 years, I believe, and at the same time, he pastored a, uh, an African-American church for 14 years, and then he retired from those two and then went and pastored a church in London where I'm from, and he, he, he took me under his wing, and, and uh, Denvis and I had a lot of good... We, we did about a year, year and a half worth of 
uh, jail ministry at Laurel County Detention Center. But I, I remember Denvis saying one time, he said he had a president at the Bank of Manchester wanted to serve the Lord, and he said, all I want to do is clean toilets. He said, you'd think that somebody with that kind of prestigious job would want to do something great and mighty. He said, all I want to do is, is, is clean the church. He said, don't, don't ask me to do anything else. I can do that. You see, there's nothing beneath a child of God. When God calls us to serve, whether it's to clean a toilet, whether it's to pick up paper, whatever it's called to do, we need to do it with all of our hearts because, listen, we none of us deserve the grace of God, do we? None of us deserve the salvation that God gives us to us freely when we accept Christ as our Savior, when we believe on Him for salvation. And we need to serve God no matter what we're asked to do. Paul told the churches, church at Corinth, they were carnal, which means fleshly, worldly. And I think the sad commentary today on the churches of America that many of them are filled with carnal, fleshly, worldly-minded Christians as well. You see, in the book of Romans chapter 8, Paul declared that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I've been doing a Wednesday night Bible study for a little church over almost in Casey County. Pulaski is a big county and I've got 58 churches in Pulaski County and one in Russell County and one in McCurry County. So I have 60 churches and sometimes it takes me 45 minutes to get to some of those churches that live way out, this one's about 34 or 5 minutes from my house. And I've been taking them through the first seven churches of Asia in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. We just studied this past Wednesday the church of Laodicea. And usually... Jesus had something good to say about all those churches when he had John the Revelator to write a letter to all of them. He'd always say, I know thy works. You've done, you've done good doing this. You, you, you've been faithful. You've stood, you know, you've been patient. And church of Laodicea, he couldn't say one good word about them. He said, you're neither hot nor cold. He said, which makes you lukewarm. This is my paraphrase. And he said, because you're lukewarm, you make me sick. Anybody read that chapter? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Listen, I, I, I've been a lukewarm Christian, haven't you? I know the miserable state of life when you are a lukewarm Christian. You're, you're neither hot nor cold, and you're, you're kind of straddling the fence, and you're just, you're just trying to get by, and, and you got one hand in the world and one hand onto the Bible, and you're trying to live for God, but then you're trying to live for the world. And, say, and Paul's saying that's, that's fleshly living, that's carnality, that's not being the, call, the, the child of God that God's called you to be. And that kind of lifestyle doesn't please God at all. So we've had the natural man who receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. 
if you're here and you check that box, just a few minutes, we're going to have a song of invitation. God's going to give you an opportunity if the Holy Spirit's drawing you to change where you stand in relation to Jesus Christ. Same is true for those of us who could check box number two in this test, carnal Christianity. And one of the things about carnal Christianity, I'm good at it. I can put on my robes of righteousness and I can come in here and sing those old songs as I and put on a front and a facade that makes you all think I'm where I need to be with God. And I can walk back out of this church and live in a fleshly state of being it that nobody has any idea how far away from God I am. God knows, doesn't he? God knows exactly where I stand with him. And he knows where you stand with him as well. The last person Paul mentioned in this passage of Scripture is the spiritual person. Verse 15 of chapter 2, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He quotes Isaiah forty thirteen here. But listen to what he follows that quote up with. But we, we Christians have the mind of Christ. We don't only get a new heart when we get saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he does a, a process of, uh, of restoration and reformation that He reforms our minds to be like Christ. If we're truly born again believers, I don't, do you think the same way you did, do now than you did before you got saved? You shouldn't. We, we have the mind of Christ now. And that is one of the characteristics of a spiritual person of God. We don't act like we used to act. We don't uh, live like we used to live. We don't speak like we used to speak. I, I remember when I got saved at 16, and, and before that, I, I, you know, I told you I got into a lot of stupid stuff I shouldn't have, and I cursed like a sailor. Uh, just because that was a thing to do as a teenager in the 1970s. But when God saved me, it took me a little while to break the habit completely, but with the Holy Spirit's help, I couldn't have done it, but He did it through me and helped me. I don't speak like I used to speak. I don't say the same words I used to say. And I shouldn't think like I used to think, and yet I still battle that old Adamic nature sometimes, don't you? But Paul says here that the spiritual person, and, and let me stop here and say, we're not all on the same Spiritual trajectory, are we? Uh, I think if you, if you did a graph of your spiritual walk with God, and like I say, I've been saved 44 years come next month, and, and there's, it's going to look like this, but I hope it's on an upward plane. You know what I'm saying? I hope that there, there, there and listen, there's a lot of valleys. We're all at the test. We've been low in our relationship with God. We've strayed and followed our flesh many times. But the good news about God is He forgives, doesn't He? And even greater news, God forgets. I can't do that, can you? Somebody wrongs me, I still remember it 30 years later. Wives do that really good. <laughs> I'm, some of these husbands are going, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when God forgives, He forgets. The Bible says he, he, he casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness never more to be remembered, doesn't He? 
He says the cast as far as the east is from the west. And, and, and to me, I believe that's infinity, isn't it? Because once you get to one place, you're at the other. And God keeps forgiving us. He never remembers our sins. The shame that we do is we let Satan remind us of sins. I was sitting the other day, and the devil brought up a sin I committed 30 years ago. I'm thinking, what in the world? He's a, he's, he's a liar. He's the accuser of the brethren, isn't he? And don't be confused. There's the devil that lies to you and the Holy Spirit that speaks truth to you. And if the Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin that you committed 30 years ago, you need to confess it and repent of it. But I confessed and repented this sin many years ago, and the devil's still trying to, trying to make me feel bad about it. You know, when the devil does that, just tell him what Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. But characteristic of someone who's a spiritual person that Paul mentions here in this passage, they're, they're, they're consistently filled with and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They, they are someone who produces the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you'll find nine fruit listed there. And it's not plural, it's, it's singular. And you and I are incapable of producing these fruit by ourselves. We, we can't do it. It has to be produced in us and through us by the Holy Spirit. And the first one is love. I, I remember uh, when I attended Clear Creek back in the mid-80s, uh, Dr. Earl Clark was one of my professors. And, of course, I knew Earl Clark before I went to Clear Creek because he lived in London uh, where I grew up. And, and one of the things he asked us one day in class, he said, Fellas, you want to know how you know that you're filled with the Spirit. Of course, we're a bunch of young uh, preachers didn't know beans from apple butter. Yeah, tell us. He said, turn to Galatians chapter 5. He said, when you are filled with love, then you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, I can't produce. And that Lord for love is an agape love. It's the love that God produces, that God has, unconditional love. We don't have that naturally, do we? In fact, our natural response is to hate people. But God, he said, if, if, if you have love in your heart, then you know you're filled with the Spirit. And he said, if you have joy in your heart, then you know you're filled with the Spirit. I heard, I think of Junior Hill. He just, I, I, I'm not sure if it was Junior Hill, but I'll, I'll give him credit for it. He was preaching one time, and I heard him make a statement. He said, that, you know, a lot of Christians don't have joy in their heart. He said, he said a lot of men look like their mother-in-law's moved in with them. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's a difference in, in joy and happiness, isn't there? Happiness is, it's based on happenstance or circumstances, and, and, and happiness can ebb and flow, but joy is found in the Lord in it, and, and joy is something that the Holy Spirit, you know where I'm going with this, so a true child of God who's spiritually born again and is living a spiritual life, not a, not a carnal life, he, he produces, or the Holy Spirit produces in him the fruit of the Spirit. And then because of that producing of the Holy Spirit, he has understanding and discernment. You see, we have the mind of Christ. Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew all things and understood all things, didn't he? And when we surrender and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and live a spiritual, spirit-filled life, He will do the same for us, won't we?
I think the last thing I'll, I'll share with you in this, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit and is spiritually discerned, they'll be faithful in practicing the spiritual discipline, the, the disciplines. Church going doesn't become a, a chore. I pastored 18 years in Monticello at Oak Grove Baptist Church. If you know where Conley Bottom Boat Dock is, I was one mile from Conley Bottom Boat Dock. I spent from 1998 to 2016 there as their pastor. And one of the things I tried to instill in those people when I first got there because I understood that they felt that church attendance was a drudgery. And I said, once you get your heart right with God, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. There's a difference in there. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church to worship my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And not only that, I get to see all the other saints of God and have fellowship with them. So, one of the consistent things about a person who has a spiritual lifestyle is that they attend church and worship regularly. They pray and study God's Word. You see, it's not just reading. I can read the Bible like a magazine and not get one thing out of it, but I can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, read the Word of God and be taught from it. So he practices the spiritual disciplines of witnessing and serving. One of the things I've seen in churches the last 40 years where I've pastored and worked in associational work, people want salvation, but they don't want to serve. I don't think you can separate the two. If God's called you to salvation, He's called you to serve in His kingdom. And I think a truly born-again believer who's spiritual, walking hand-in-hand with the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to serve Him in some capacity somewhere. So there's the test. The natural man... Spiritual things are foolishness to him. He doesn't know God. He's dead in his trespasses and sin. Could be on the church roll. I was for eight years. He could still be lost and without Christ. Carl Christian. Paul calls us babes, doesn't he? And then the spiritual Christian. Which one are you? We'll ask Ethan to come. Get us ready for a hymn of invitation. Which one describes where you are right now in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You've already, if you are a child of God, you, well, even if you're not, you've already been pricked by the Holy Spirit to know where you're standing. I didn't have to come here and tell you because you already knew where you stood with the Lord. Are you willing to let God change you this morning? You see, you can identify the problem. If you don't do anything to correct the problem, then it's, you'll walk right back out worse than you was when you walked in because you know the Holy Spirit's giving you evidence of where you are and where you need to be. And if you don't obey the Holy Spirit this morning, then you're going to walk out worse than you come in. So... As we begin this hymn of invitation, I'll stand at the front. If you need a Savior, 
you may, I may be a stranger to you, but, but some of these other people come up. We'll, we'll, we'll share the Word of God with you and tell you how you can be saved. If you uh, are a carnal Christian, you've not grown up, and you're still struggling, uh, come to the altar and pour your heart out to God and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need to change. Whatever your need is this morning, would you come as we sing?